1: We have a terrific show for you today, including guests Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon, the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founding president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will shine a light on what's happening here locally. It is April the 27th, and on this day in 4977 B.C., the universe was created, well, according to German mathematician and astronomer Johannes Kepler, uh, considered a founder of modern science, Kepler is best known for his theories explaining the motion of planets. Uh, he was born in December 27, 1571 in Germany. As a university student, he studied the Polish astronomer uh, Nicholas Copernicus' theories of planetary ordering. Copernicus believed that the sun, not the earth, was the center of the solar system, almost cost him his life uh, with the Pope. Anyhow, it was a theory that contradicted the prevailing view of the year that the sun revolved around the earth. In 1600, Kepler went to Prague and studied and worked for uh, Danish astronomer Tycho Bray, the imperial mathematician to Rudolf II, emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. Kepler's main project was to investigate the orbit of Mars. When Bray died the following year, Kepler took over his job and inherited Bray's extensive collection of astronomy data, which had been painstakingly observed by the naked eye, over the next decade, Kepler learned about the work of an Italian physicist and astronomer, Galileo, who invented the telescope and who had discovered lunar mountains and craters, the largest four satellites of Jupiter, the phases of Venus, and among other, among other things. Kepler corresponded with Galileo and eventually obtained a telescope of his own to, uh, to improve upon the design as well. In 1609, Kepler published the first two of his Three Laws of Planetary Motion, which held that planets moved around the sun in ellipses, not circles, as had been previously believed, and that planets sped up as they approached the sun and slowed down as they moved away. In 1619, he produced his Third Law, which used mathematical principles to relate the time a planet takes to orbit the sun, uh, Kepler's uh, research was slow to gain widespread traction during his lifetime, but it later served as a key influence on the English mathematician Sir Isaac Newton and, of course, his law of gravitational force. Additionally, Kepler did uh, important work in the field of optics, including demonstrating how the human eye works and in math. He died on November 15, 1630, in Regensburg, Germany. As for Kepler's calculation about the universe's birthday, scientists in the 20th century developed the Big Bang Theory, which showed that his calculations were off by, oh, just about 13.7 billion years. planet wasn't uh, discovered in uh, 6,000 B.C. Anyhow... Uh, Science progresses and moves on. It's not a consensus, is it? It's all about disputing and uh, taking uh, uh, aim at other uh, previous research to see if it can't be disproved and uh, improved. That's the scientific method. House Republicans passed a bill package uh, yesterday to raise the debt limit through the early of next, next year, while deeply reducing government spending, setting up a contentious standoff with Democrats as the bill heads to the Senate. The legislation, called the Limit, Save, Grow Act of 2023, passed 217 to 215 with no Democrat support. Republicans Andy Biggs, Matt Goetz, Tim Burkett, and Ken Buck defected uh, from uh, supporting the bill. The passage is a victory for House Speaker Kevin McCarthy really is, who touts the bill as a negotiating tool that forces President Joe Biden and the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer into talks with him about spending cuts in exchange for a debt limit increase. We cannot sit back and ignore the problem like the president has, McCarthy said. We want to sit down. We want to work together. And that's exactly what the bill does to push us into an ability to negotiate. The bill comes in response to the U.S. approaching its debt ceiling as early as this summer. I think we're already using extraordinary measures, as they're called. Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is warned of economic catastrophe if Congress and Biden do not move to suspend or increase the nation's borrowing limit. Biden and Schumer have been angling for a, quote-unquote, clean debt ceiling hike, meaning they want to raise it without the spending reductions the House Republicans are aiming for. Republicans' current proposal, the Limit, Save, Grow Act, would save $4.8 trillion over the next 10 years, according to the Congressional Budget Office. Biden, who has vowed to veto the bill, taunted House Republicans hours ahead of its passage when asked if the GOP criticisms that the president had been missing in action on negotiations. They haven't figured out debt limit yet, Biden said, laughing. He thinks that's a joke. Uh, and added, I'm not happy to meet with. I'm happy to meet with McCarthy, but not on whether or not the debt uh, limit gets extended. That's not negotiable. Well, of course, it's going to be extended. That's what McCarthy's offered. <clears throat> Anyhow, passage of the bill a significant feat for the Republicans in the narrowly divided House weakens Biden's and Schumer's positions. However, now that the House uh, GOP is staring them down with a show of unity around a debt ceiling, uh, debt limit plan. <clears throat> I think part of their strategy is that they're going to try and call our bluff, said uh, Mike Johnson, Republican from Louisiana, a member of the Republican leadership. Uh, they didn't believe we could uh, actually get this done, so this is really important and symbolic thing for us that we did today. The package which raises the debt ceiling through early next year is packaged with conservative priorities. It includes blocking Biden's student loan bailout. That's good. Rescinding uh, unspent money allocated towards coronavirus. That's good. Expanding work requirements for welfare recipients, that's good. Repealing uh, recent IRS funding and certain climate-related portions of the Inflation Reduction Act and limiting discretionary spending growth to 1% per year for 10 years. Achieving consensus on the uh, legislation was, however, a challenge for McCarthy. House Majority Whip Tom Emmer and others in leadership, Emmer had, had been whipping votes on it since February but in the days leading up to the vote, more than a half a dozen Republicans were showing reservations or outright opposition to voting for the bill. Despite unsatisfied defectors and voting absences that threatened to derail the bill, GOP leaders maintained an unflinched confidence that it would pass and concerned parties steamed off, streamed off in and out of McCarthy's office all week as the Speaker sought to make, uh, make certain he had the votes. Schumer assured his party that the bill is dead on arrival in the Senate uh, deriding it as the Default on America Act. Unbelievable. Anyhow, uh, so it's now going to go to the uh, Senate. Let's see if it can pass. I'm sure there's some, I'm guessing, Manchin, uh, maybe some others that might be supportive of this. We see, We'll see how that goes. Schumer said, this bill is a ransom note to the American people to suffer the radical uh, Republican right-wing agenda or suffer catastrophic default, Democrats won't allow it. He took a little virtue signaling there from Schumer. But that's how sausage is made in Washington, D.C., right? Well, uh, Disney filed a lawsuit yesterday against Republican Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, accusing him of launching a targeted campaign of government retaliation against the company. Disney and DeSantis have engaged in a years-long struggle since the governor removed the company's special governing status. Disney responded Wednesday by filing a lawsuit against the Sunshine State's governor. In the lawsuit, the company alleges that DeSantis' campaign unfairly punishes Disney and has put their business at risk, according to CNBC. Uh, Jeremy Redfern, Deputy Press Secretary, said the office was unaware of any legal right that a company has to operate its own government or maintain special privileges not held uh, by other businesses in the state. The lawsuit is yet another unfortunate example of their hope to undermine the will of the Florida voters and operate outside the bounds of the law, Redfern said. The company accuses DeSantis of uh, patently uh, retaliatory Uh, patently anti-business and patently unconstitutional behavior in dealing with Disney over the the past two years. The lawsuit was filed on the same day as DeSantis' new governing board took over control of uh, Disney's Orlando Parks after the company previously tried to thwart the board with a special agreement that would have protected the company's development rights. So, Uh, If you go woke, you go broke, and uh, now the uh, Disney company is trying to point the finger at the DeSantis for their own woes. They're suffering from uh, 10,000 cuts, all uh, self-inflicted. They didn't have to do this. Well, a cheat sheet that the President Joe Biden used to call on reporters during a joint uh, press conference with South Korean president uh, on Wednesday showed that he knew in advance the topics the reporters were going to ask him about, the note card held by Biden stated that his first question was to come from Los Angeles Times reporter Courtney Subramian. Uh, when the question on the cheat sheet and the question that were equally, uh, eventually asked were not exactly the same, they were on the same topic. How is Biden going to balance his domestic priorities uh, regarding chip manufacturing while trying to work with U.S. allies? Real heavy questions like that. You know, I don't know how he handled it all. But he did. He, he used his cheat sheet. Former Fox News uh, host Tucker Carlson released a video yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but it's really good. After he parted ways from his former employer, where he called upon Americans to essentially abandon the uniparty complex and listen to new ideas released on Twitter, uh, Tucker Carlson opened with a reflection on the decency of Americans, something that he often gets clouded in the establishment media, uh, where people often confuse shouting matches with genuine discussion. One of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how genuinely nice people are in this country, Tucker began. Kind to decent people, people who really care about what's true, and I know a bunch of hilarious people also. A lot of those, it's just got to be a majority of the population, even now. It's so heartening, he said. Tucker explained how this, this made him realize the intense stupidity displayed during most of the debates you see on television, he explained. Now this is, to me... This is real wisdom. They are awfully often completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. He said, "In five years, we won't remember that we had them." Trust me, at some uh, someone who's participated. And yes, at the same time, this is an amazing thing. The undeniably big topics—the ones that will define our future—get virtually no discussion at all: war, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? He's so right. He continued, this has been a long time. Debates like these are not permitted uh, in American media. Carlson also made uh, political parties and their donor classes have been basically decided what Americans will be talking about based on what benefits them. He likened their consensus to one-party state, which is the conservative act often referred to as the uniparty. That's how I refer to it. One concern, uh, other concern, uh, current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them, he said. Hardly anyone, uh, anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in the charge notice, and that's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. and They're resorting to force. But it won't work when honest people say what's true. Calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful, said, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson So true Carlson con- uh, concluded his message with a uh, note of hope At the same time, the liars who have been trying to silence them shrink And they become weaker And that's when the iron law of the universe Truth will prevail That's when you can still find Americans saying true things There aren't many faith places left But there are some And that's enough As long as you can hear the words There is hope See you soon, said Tucker By the way, he's gotten some very nice offers from some other media outlets. Be interested to see where he lands. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples, a longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting
1: Network. Lulubees.com and stop by Lulabies Diner, open from 8am until 2pm, 7 days a week Lulabies Diner, in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads, stop by Lulabies Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time 4541
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden show and now here's your host Bob Harden
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show it's brought to you in part by the internationalhealthplans.com internationalhealthplans.com if you're planning on traveling abroad you should know that most uh domestic insurance uh, health insurance plans don't cover uh, international travel and you want to be able to travel with confidence knowing that you'll be taken care of if you're sick or hurt and you can get it for some very short money as little as a dollar twenty five a day visit the website internationalhealthplans.com to find out more we have with us keith law co-founder of the florida citizens alliance keith thank you so much for joining us good morning bob good morning keith tell us about the florida citizens alliance
4: uh, well, we're a grassroots uh, coalition of now over 250,000 people across the state of Florida. Uh, we work with over 100 different grassroots groups here in Florida, and we focus on education, K-12 education primarily. And our uh, objective is to put competition back into the school systems in the hope that they'll get back to academics and stop all this other stuff they're doing. But we also fight that indoctrination and the... Uh, uh, the sexually explicit material that's in our schools. So we're just uh, all about trying to uh, get our kids the best possible education they can.
1: And you've been very effective at it for the last decade. I must say that uh, everything from Common Core to seeing that removed to the other things that have gone on, our public education certainly got a long way to go, but it's improving uh, every day. And I I think the Florida Citizens Alliance has an awful lot to do uh, with that. So thank you so much, Keith, for your efforts.
4: Oh, you're welcome. We have a good team and we work very hard, so...
1: I know you do. Uh, So, uh, Keith, uh, a big victory uh, in the State House and the Legislature yesterday.
4: Yeah, the uh, Senate passed the um, uh, the, the union uh, bill, the anti-union bill. Uh, That's really, really a huge deal. Uh, It has a couple major aspects to it, one of which is now the unions have to collect their own dues. So teachers are going to be responsible rather than having the dues just automatically... Collected from their payroll system, uh, they'll have to write the check. And the other thing it does is it puts some really solid uh, teeth and and penalty into this the unions who abuse uh, and and claim to be um, representing more um, you know more more teachers than they they really have. Yeah. Um, the best example I can give you is Collier County. We have about seven thousand employees, uh, four thousand overhead, and three thousand teachers. Um you know if now, if sixty percent of those teachers uh don't certify don't uh sign up for the union, then the union becomes decertified and uh and that's that's huge so
1: well and of course if the if the dues are automatically deducted, some people just don't pay attention to it and they just look at their net paycheck uh but this right. is going to require them to write a check and uh I think that's going to probably diminish the enthusiasm that many people have for being, they don't like the union in the first place.
4: Right. And, and the other aspect of that is the, union, uh, the union's value proposition to the teachers is, you know, that, we pro- that the unions provide them with a liability coverage if they get into trouble. Uh, well, a number of years ago, I think it was five or six years ago, under uh, Rick Scott, uh, the legislature uh, passed and, and he signed a bill that provides that liability coverage uh, w- without any cost. Huh. So, and, and But the unions won't tell the teachers that. Huh. And so uh, my view is in concert with making the uh, unions collect their own dues, uh, the school districts need to put a campaign in place to help teachers understand that those unions really aren't operating in their best interest. Uh, I'm not shy about saying this. Uh, the unions are Marxist at their core. Yep. And uh, when you look at what they're doing to uh, destroy the family and to destroy quality education. uh, They just need
1: to go. They really do. And of course, uh, we're seeing uh, a lot more strength of anti-union activity here in Florida than we see in other states like Illinois and so forth. So uh, we should be be very grateful for the progress we've made in this front. And again, I I just really uh, extend gratitude to the Florida Citizens Alliance. Hey, uh, Keith, I know you're following uh, the uh, appointment of the uh, superintendent of schools here in Collier County. Any update?
4: Yeah. They, yesterday, uh, they started at eight o'clock and finished at about three thirty. They had their final interviews uh, for their, their, the the last two uh, still in the race. Um, the uh, it was a fascinating meeting. There were about uh, they allowed each of the candidates uh, two hours to present their case and uh, answer questions back and forth, and then uh, they had public comment that started about one fifteen. There were over 50 people that commented what was uh, interesting uh, a couple things interesting happened. One is the um, the majority uh, there were probably 75 percent of the people there were um, employees of the school district. Many of them were administrators, which is kind of interesting. They were there um, on, on, on when they were supposed to be working but anyway <laughs> um, they uh, you know these are the high paid administrators. All trying to protect their job, and i i, I, I tell you that, uh, and many of your listeners have heard me say this. But if I hear a, 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 a local administrator or or, um, um, and a supporter of the school districts one more time say that we're an A school system, yeah, uh, my head's going to
1: explode. No, Are I, t- I totally get that. Especially when you, of course, you take a look at th- the uh, data. And the metrics around uh, ability to read at grade level and so forth, it's just a ridiculous claim. And, uh, uh, by the way, you said something that's pretty alarming. 7,000 employees in the Cuyahoga County School System, 4,000 are not even teachers. The other 3,000 are. Did I hear that correctly?
4: That's exactly right. And, and, you know, we've got uh, the last numbers I saw a month ago where we had a 17% shortage in teachers so many of those uh, those administrators used to be teachers so our argument is you need to flip that business model you need to rec- you need to cut that overhead and uh, offer those uh, many of those certified used to be certified teachers yeah. an opportunity to go back in the classroom or find another job and reduce that that overhead burden and 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 move that money back into the classroom so we can start paying our teachers on a merit-based system uh, w- with much higher salaries than they could earn if they, you know, if they go into administration.
1: So yeah, I agree with that. I would, I would suggest the process starts by eliminating the bureaucratic jobs and offering them the opportunity to go back to teach.
4: <laughs> exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and that's going to take a school board that is committed to doing that and a superintendent that isn't part of the establishment, in our view. Uh, whose job is going to be there to protect the deep state and all of those people they've hired. So um, I think that was, uh, we we saw the concern by all those administrators showing up to try to protect their jobs yesterday.
1: Yeah, so uh, how is the, uh, I know that you've uh, drawn a line in the sand and you want a new broom that's sweeping clean coming into Collier County and and not wanting the old administration to take over. Uh, how's it looking?
4: Oh, uh, it's going kind to of boil down to, um I think how Kelly uh, Lichter votes um that's my my personal uh, guess um and I th- and I think uh you know all three of those new board members were elected on on chain uh, on substantive change to get back to academics yeah and so I'm hopeful that happens uh the, the f- one of the last things that happened yesterday was uh Luke Reilly and Carter both tried to um accused the, the the three new board members of playing politics with our kids <laughs> and and fishbane who's the lawyer actually shut him off he said this isn't the time or place you can have that conversation on the third when you vote but this is not the time or place for you to be doing that uh, that's you great. haven't even you haven't even finished your interview personal interviews which are taking place today so um, you know they're trying to make it a, a political uh, decision versus you know, what's right for our kids, and that's
1: just, uh, well, a little Keith, bit buggly, I, you know. again, I just thank you for all you're doing. I refer our listeners to your website, goflca.com. Goflca.com, very robust yep. website. And Bob, that-
4: if I can, we have a, a major event, uh, a lo- local event on Saturday, it's a, a micro school symposium. So people go to our website in the events tab. Uh, they can sign up for that. It's uh, how to start a one-room schoolhouse, a mini or a micro. So uh, we we encourage people to attend. That's a great
1: hybrid between uh, homeschooling and uh, public schools. So, again, Keith, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
4: Have a great weekend,
1: Bob. You as well. Thank you. And again, that's goflca.com. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. The show that this segment of the show is brought to you by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. And you can download the app and find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Well,
5: we're a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1977, and what we bring to public debate is... uh, a voice in support of the traditional American ideals of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace.
1: Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, Michael, uh, off-air, you are mentioning to me some hearings that were happening on Capitol Hill that uh, reveal some interesting information about costs and Medicare and Medicaid.
5: Right. So, this year is the 20th anniversary of the uh, Medicare Administrator, who is running the program, Uh, describing Medicare as a big, dumb price fixer. Now, he got in a lot of hot water for that. Wow. From a lot of people who don't want the public to know that that's true. And one of the ways that it's true is, you know, 20 years later, Medicare is still paying hospitals a lot more than it pays doctors for the same procedures. And this ends up costing not only the taxpayers a lot of money, but enrollees a lot of money too. Sure. Uh, to give an example, uh, there are some evaluation and management services where Medicare will uh, pay a hospital, pay a doctor's office, uh, hundred dollars for uh, uh, for that visit, but one hundred seventy five dollars if you do it in a hospital, even if there's no difference in what they're doing. I think you and I have talked before about. Medicare paying hospitals $2,000 for a cataract surgery that an ambulatory surgical center will do for $1,000. And these, what they call, the fancy term is, site-of-service differentials. But what they are is pricing errors. They're government setting the price and not setting it well so that you end up overpaying and uh, overcharging taxpayers for a lot of services. And one study looked at just eight states over like an eight-year period found that these pricing errors cost taxpayers more than a billion dollars wow about 1.3 billion dollars but also cost enrollees more than 300 million dollars because you know in Medicare the enrollees have to pay part of the cost of their of their care and if you at this hearing and if you had a hospital executive on your show Bob, they would say, oh, no, well, you know, we provide so much more intensive and high quality care that uh, you get services in a hospital that you can't get in a physician's office. And to some extent, that's true, but that's not what we're talking about here. To give you one of the most egregious examples, to take advantage of these pricing errors that Medicare commits, what hospitals do is they buy up physician practices, they hang the hospital shingle out front, and that lets them then get this the higher hospital price for the same service that the same doctor is providing to the same patient at the same office It's not in a hospital. They're just using. They're just changing the ownership to game the system uh, and game these ridiculous pricing errors. Oh so, so it's... this is this is not an example of <coughs> comparing apples to oranges. These are apples to apples comparison. Medicare is paying too much, and to their, their credit, the House Republicans are having uh, are holding hearings to try to expose this, but I don't think their solutions are going to work.
1: i tell you, what that demonstrates to me is that on K Street, there's a strong lobby for hospitals.
5: Oh my gosh, you have no idea. <laughs> so, so, so healthcare has led all other industries in expenditures on lobbying for decades. Yeah, and it and it's not because we have a free market in healthcare. It's because we have government-run healthcare, and they want to influence the people who are making the decisions about what the prices are for their services and um, how generous are the subsidies that uh, Medicare and Medicaid enrollees get, and so forth.
1: Just incredible, Michael. By the way, this is a little off topic, but it does come bring to mind. Uh, I had read that the uh, Veterans Administration has now hired a new firm to handle their, it uh, the, used to be the uh, the uh, friars from the Catholic Church would uh, handle the last rites and things like that were happening in the Veterans Hospital, and, uh, NCH. What's the name of the hospital there? I've forgotten. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. The point being is that they've now hired a replacement that had cheaper money, it happens to be a janitorial service <laughs> to provide these religious services. <laughs> <laughs> and to, the, provide, the, to provide last rights to people? Yeah, I'm um, not kidding. I mean, and what the plan is? Apparently, they've signed a lower, a cheaper contract, and I think their plan is to hope to go out and hire the friars, uh, to, to do the work for them. But have you heard about this?
5: I have. I have not. <laughs> if it's an example of right-skilling those services, I mean, that's a that's a bit of an economist joke, but yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, it could be an example of them. Uh, stretching the taxpayers' money a little farther, or depending on the details, it could be an example of someone um, uh, robbing the VA by inserting a middleman and jacking up the prices they're charging. I'd have to look into it a little more closely.
1: Well, it could also be uh, part of the uh, what I'm considering to be a war against the Catholic Church. I mean, you consider on other fronts, for example, the Department of Justice uh, bringing in... <laughs> People who are singing hymns in front of the Planned Parenthood, <laughs> and uh, there's there is a concerted effort, in my opinion, uh, to to attack religions here in the United States.
5: I I definitely agree that the federal government has been doing a lot of things lately to trample on the conscience and uh, rights and religious freedoms of Catholics and other religious traditions in the United States. I would not argue that denying Catholic friars a government contract is an example of government depression. Uh, I, I, I would question why the, uh, the Catholic Church or Catholic organizations are taking government contracts in the
1: first place. Yeah. Mike always gets such interesting commentary from you. And again, just another example of government waste. And again, if we could just bring the entire hospital system and Medicaid and Medicare back to private enterprise and allow the markets to determine prices, I'm sure we'd see a huge reduction in the cost of both health insurance as well as uh, medical costs.
5: And that's why I'm skeptical about the House Republicans' approach to these pricing errors that we've been discussing, because... Their approach would not return those decisions to the market process, what supply and demand, and the preferences of seniors determine what those prices are, uh, uh, the values of seniors. They would just replace one government price setting scheme with another one, and we get a whole new raft of pricing
1: errors. Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit the very robust website and informative website, Cato, C-A-T-O dot org. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, Seaton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: For more of the Bob Harton Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Come Back to the Bob Harton Show. And now, here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And I hope you'll check out the website and get some tickets. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Mayor Bill Barnett, former mayor of uh, Naples. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Les Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seaton. I think you've got probably the best name of a not for profit I've ever heard less government. Tell us about your <laughs> work. What do you do?
2: Except, except for maybe free ice cream. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just through just a uh, size, scope, and sphere of influence of government and. It's a, ch- a bit of a challenge.
1: It is a big challenge indeed, but we appreciate your work. You wrote a column, which is really fascinating. You have some great information. That Biden FTC will acquiesce to no comment period, comment period bearing in quotes. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, this is a,
2: a, a, a <clears throat> fig leaf for, for totalitarianism that exists in Washington, D.C. Um, of course, The constitutional system we have is we elect elected officials. They pass laws. We can lobby Congress uh, to affect the laws that they're working on. Right. Um, And then if we don't like what they do, we can unelect them, ostensibly. I mean, we've got decades of gerrymandering and, and bad voting laws and stuff that have mucked up the voting system. But at least we can, you know, ostensibly get rid of these people. What we the people we can't get rid of are the unelected bureaucrats and all the I I, I counted several years ago 456 federal agencies mm. and there's probably there's probably more now and I'm sure that's exactly what the founding fathers had in mind with the yeah <laughs> and um, the the the, uh, the these these people promulgate rules and. They're not supposed to promulgate rules. They're supposed to—they exist to imp, imp, implement the laws Congress has passed. So, anytime an agency does something that changes life, you know, and the example I use because it's just it, 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 the commentary just ended, um, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is trying to ban non-compete clauses in every contract in the in the country. Well, what? they're not elected. They're not elected officials. They can't do that's changing law. Right? If before, you know, if they wait, it, uh, it's on the day they pass this law. They, they, you know, there's non-compete clauses at the beginning of the day, and there's no longer non-compete clauses at the end of the day. That's writing law, and they're not supposed to do that. So, in an effort to make it look like. Hey, we're listening to the people on this because of course we can't unelect these people. There's five commissioners at the FTC the Federal Trade Commission and we don't elect these people. They're Senate appointed I mean they're, they're presidential appointed Senate approved, but we didn't we don't elect these people, we can't unelect them.
1: Right.
2: And so to make it look like they're listening to the people, the before they do these illegal power grabs, they have comment periods. Yeah. And the comment periods are a joke. First of all, these are you know there's 456 agencies. You know, between the two of us, we do this for a living. We probably can't name 20, right? Right, and they're all engaging in this, or most of them are. And they ha- they announce we're having a comment period on this new rule we're considering, this new regulation. Well, no one knows about them, and occasionally they become you know high profile and, and, and public knowledge. And my my favorite example is. Um one of the one of the big net neutrality votes several years ago got really high profile and it had three comment periods it had 22 million comments huh. and 83 percent of them were from bots
1: really <laughs> well which i would means, i would imagine once the comment means, i would imagine once the comment period is over if the comments are positive they promote it and uh, tell it to the public and to the press if right if, if right they're, if they're negative they don't
2: right right. As I said in the piece, if, 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 it's, if it's in favor of the power grab, they, they trumpet the results of the comment period and impose it. If, if, if it's against, they just ignore it and impose it anyway because they were going to do it regardless of what happened. During
1: right, the comment right. Period. Right. So, Seton, uh, so, what's going to happen from here?
2: Well, again, I, I, I guarantee you, uh, we, they haven't, obviously, they just ended the comment period. for for our our visual aid for this exercise. They just ended the comment period on the non-compete vote at the FTC, so it's going to take a little while for them to compute, you know, what's going on. Um, Oh, and by the way, the the, the, the bureaucrats in the government cheat and work with outside leftist groups to get comments filed. Uh, Lisa Jackson was the uh, EPA director for Obama, and she was caught coordinating... Uh, with outside leftist groups to file comments under a fake name. Remember, she was using Richard Windsor yeah. as a as a fake fake name, and she, she one of the reasons she did that was to hide the fact that she was coordinating to get comments with outside leftist groups. So the whole thing is it's just it's un it's undemocratic, small D. It's un, it, 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 it's in violation of our small R republican form of government it's unconstitutional yeah. and this little fig leaf of commentary it's just annoying it's it's an annoying attempt to try to cover up what they're doing
1: you know uh, uh see this is reminding me of it used to be that the these agencies would sue themselves in order to promote getting the uh, the uh, uh the outcome that they wanted to support their extension or the inability to get law passed the way they well, wanted Well,
2: it. again that that's yeah, they, they, they coordinate with outside leftist groups.
1: Yeah, unbelievable,
2: and, and get the leftist groups to to sue them, and then and of course, then they get you know this is how they one of the ways they give money to leftist groups is hey sue us, and then we'll give you taxpayer money in a settlement.
1: Unbelievable, and Seton, I mean for crying out loud, what was non compete clauses is what this thing is all about. Where in the world does some sort of alphabet agency get the right to have, to uh, say anything about right. non-compete and clauses? And
2: of course, the, the, the step back is, of course, we said Congress is supposed to pass a law, but even then, Congress has to be expressly empowered by the Constitution to do that, and there's no way you can say even, even the Congress can ab- abolish non-compete clauses. So this is two steps removed from constitutionality. Yeah. <laughs> In reality,
1: yeah. Uh, I just, just genuinely appreciate your commentary on these important issues, Seton. The, uh, the website is lessgovernment.org. I hope you check it out. The, a lot of Seaton's uh, work is there, lessgovernment.org. You can also follow Less Government on Facebook. Seton, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. By the way, I want to remind you that... Uh, Uh, Bee's Diner, of course, serves great breakfast and lunch. And Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., is now starting to serve dinner and some great uh, comfort food, but also some great uh, uh, meals uh, like uh, seafood dishes like salmon, snapper, grouper. Grouper is just fantastic. I had it the other night. So I hope you'll consider going to Bee's Diner for a casual uh, dinner. Uh, That would be at the Green Tree Shopping Center Saturdays. Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. All right, coming up, but we're going to be visiting with uh, Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and they know the policies, and they prepare elected officials for success in legislation in uh, state houses around the country. The website is thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples the greatest mayor of Naples for, of all time, <laughs> Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hello. Oh, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Bill. So I was hoping you could bring us up to date on what's happening locally, especially in the city of Naples.
3: Well, um, you know, there were a couple of things last week. Um, there, Everybody is kind of gearing up for the <clears throat> this coming meeting that's going to be on Monday, May 1st. Um, where that was when I I said to you that um, um, McCabe and the and the and the uh, small majority um, stopped the beach club um, with the site plan, yeah, that they didn't like, and so it's going to be hashed out on Monday, and there'll be a lot of citizens there. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Um, must Chris must have put pepper in my <laughs> blueberries. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so there's going to be a lot of people down there, a lot of citizens, uh, they're, they're making themselves heard, which is something that I haven't seen in a long time. And, uh, the homeowners associations are, are involved and, um, they're also, they, uh, the city manager, Bob gave a, uh, a very, um, impassioned, I would say, um, uh, speech to the council last week, um about why things are happening the way they are. Um he was very careful with his words mm-hmm. um, and um and and it was his one year evaluation and um he 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 explained um he did a pretty good job of explaining of you know why the city is losing staff, um the issue with getting good people to come to work um I mean he went through a through a pretty long it, it's worth watching it's worth going back to that meeting hmm. and and uh, and watching it or listening to it because um he was very good he was very good I'm not sure that hundred percent of the council members were thrilled with it mm-hmm. okay because he he didn't he didn't hold any punches back he wasn't mean or nasty or anything but he he said it the way it was and um so it'll be interesting you know and um there's lots of Lots of rumors going around about, um, you know, election coming up next year and um, uh, and who's going to be doing what. Yeah. Um, uh, um, You know, I I had heard a couple of them that I had heard that that, um, Teresa was not going to run for mayor. I had heard that McCabe was uh, was not going to run for mayor. He was going to keep his council seat. I had heard that Hutchinson looking for a state um, wants to give up his council seat and and go into state politics so how good any of those three are we'll find out yeah as, as I say rumors are rumors so yeah. that's about it I do notice Bob that uh, traffic is getting thinner and thinner
1: yes it is it's a uh, it's a great thing to see did you know that uh Tourism, I should say. I, I don't know how tourism is being affected because it sure looks like we had a good season. But apparently, in March, there's 23 percent reduction in traffic here to the Paradise Coast at the at the airport.
3: Yeah, I saw that. I saw that yesterday. They said it, it's dropped. But you know, the I I think it's a misnomer about the really good season because if you talk to some of the business people and a lot of them have have commented, um, it wasn't what it seemed. Um, maybe they were they were spending less money and they, they didn't do what they thought they were going to do. I spoke to one of the restaurateurs who I respect um, a lot, and uh, he said although it looked like um, you know things were booming and it was a great season, it really wasn't a great season. It was a good season, uh-huh. he said, but um, uh, uh, it wasn't everybody saying oh it's been a great season and whatever. Well, there were a lot of tra- there was a lot of traffic here. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, if that makes it a good season. I don't
1: know. Well, I, I, you know, it makes sense because we're here in this uh with a period of inflation, on, uh, perhaps looking down the barrel of a recession. Well, I think a lot of people are uh, keeping their powder dry. They're trying to make sure they've they got money for tomorrow.
3: Yeah, that's true. And uh watching what what Biden is doing is um is scaring a lot of people. I mean, his the percentage of of the people in the United States, I mean, the, the voters are just Saying we don't, we just don't want you to do this, and he's just going, he's just stumbling forward, and uh, uh, yeah, he's going to show. What did he say? Watch me.
1: No, he's well, <laughs> he wants to finish the job. Now, what does that mean? Take us right down uh, the crapper.
3: <laughs> you, yeah, it may be, but I'll tell you, I haven't been able to figure that one out. But uh, uh, but anyway, we're Naples is Naples is Naples, and um you know our housing market is slowing down a little bit, but I'll tell you what they're, they're, I, the realtors are still busy. I watch um, some of the houses that are coming on the market, and they're asking. Uh, they're still asking those telephone numbers. I'm talking about in smaller neighborhoods like my own neighborhood and everything. When I walk, I yeah. see for some for sale signs, and then I see what they're asking, and they're not getting any bids on them. And I think they have to come to the realization that look, you get, everything is going to be adjusting. Um, what it was six months ago or a year ago is not going to be now. And if you really or truly want to sell your house yeah. uh, or your home, you you're going to have to you're going to have to you know come down a little bit in price. And I think I'm I think we're seeing that happening.
1: It may be, although I saw that the national sales, real estate sales, are actually up for the month oh, yeah. of March. <laughs> Isn't that amazing?
3: Well, and and then to, to counter that, they were just saying last night or Rob. Or, uh, about the interest rates going up, so now that people can't afford homes. Yeah. So you figure it out tell me. <laughs> yeah, no, I
1: can't. I, you know, hey, I'm just a I'm just a host talk show. So, yeah. in any event, it's just uh, so. I, but I do want to ask you about one thing that you brought up earlier: is that uh, I thought this beach club thing was settled and uh, the plans would be have been approved. Do they have the right to make any changes? And if so, I mean, wouldn't this lead to some sort of legal suit or legal? Uh, Action with uh, with the the builder. Well, yes, but you know how much uh, how how much is
3: involved in that? They they could immediately go back to their plan of two thousand nineteen, mm-hmm. the site plan. But what what they did in that meeting very um, quickly was that there were questions that that they wanted answered, which were almost impossible to answer because, of course, there are changes. A plan that goes through, you know, and this is a big plan, the Beach Club. The site plan was approved there and there are some changes in there and they will bring every change that happens from here on out to the council. Okay, they're not they're not going to just say, "Okay, well, it's approved. We're going to just do what we want to do. And for whatever reason, they don't seem to want to buy into that. So that's what that's what this meeting Monday is going to be about. Um, so, they left the they left the Athens group with about six questions they wanted answered, and they gave them three weeks to do it. Now they've got things going on. I mean, the Athens group—they're trying to finish this. They're trying to stay on schedule, whatever it is. And every time you hold them up for a week or two, you think about it. Uh,
1: how millions.
3: Much it's gonna cost
1: millions and millions. It's a it's right a very expensive right. delay. So. so again, I, I don't
3: know. <laughs> but, I don't know, Bob. Yeah. we'll have. To, We'll
1: see. We'll see. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples, and uh, lots of wisdom bringing us every week here on Thursday morning. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
3: Okay, Bob. Well, nice talking to you. You have a great weekend.
1: You as well. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests for tomorrow's show, including Dr. Charles Savage. Uh, William Yateman is a, a senior legal fellow at the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, and a aw- prolific author, and writes a column for Newsmax. He'll be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the wor- word out and support our advertisers. Couldn't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: so much for listening to the bob hardin show on the bob hardin broadcasting network for more information and audio files of previous shows visit www.bobhardin.com